What is going on, profitable public speaking listeners? Mark Birdie here, and any public speaker wants to rock the stage every time they are up there. So in this episode, we're gonna help you do just that. How do you go up the stage, give your talk, and just absolutely dominate? No, when you walk off the stage, you did great, and you impacted a whole bunch of attendees. So rocking the stage, that's what this is all about. Our guest who joins us is an international keynote speaker, dynamic MC, and corporate trainer. She and her crew travel the world, creating branded experiences to help people find their stories, build their confidence, and amplify their voices. And she's got a lot of great insights she's going to share in this episode of Profitable Public Speaking. And she is none other than Melanie Spring. Melanie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to dive in. Melanie, it is a pleasure to have you on Profitable Public Speaking. And when it comes to rocking the stage, it is the public speaker's dream to go on every single stage and crush every single gig. But no one starts that way. So for someone who is a little new to public speaking, maybe they have one or no gigs under their belt. What advice do you have for them so that they can rock the stage? Well, my first bit of advice is making sure that you know what the heck you're going to say when you get up there, mm. because nothing makes you more nervous than when you're like, how am I going to start this? What am I going to say? How do I impact people? You've got a million things running through your head. So knowing what you want to say before you get up on stage is definitely the first <laughs> thing. But let's say that you actually do totally know what you want to say and you're like, yes, I know what I want to say. I practiced my head off. So please do that. Lots of practice. Practice like crazy. But right before you get on stage, all those butterflies and all those like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Oh no, I can't do this. Ah, there's a lot of people. Mm. That happens. And the best way to get over that is to one, stand behind the stage and breathe. So like knowing that you're like, ah, like even just doing that right now kind of recenters and like yeah. helps you go a little slower, helps you really think about what you're going to say. And then after that, when you walk out on stage, you do the exact same thing. So I can give you a hundred million tips on what you can do, but the best way to do this and get over that, like, how do I make sure that I can get up and rock the stage? It's walking out on that stage, standing powerfully and confidently, and then going, and then saying your first 10 words, whatever those are, they should never be. Hi, thanks so much for being here. I'm Melanie. <laughs> so that's, those, are, those are my quick tips if you want those. And knowing the first 10 words, that is certainly a really great strategy because it's not that people don't know what they're going to talk about. If you've done some basic practicing and you know what you're going to go up there and talk about, it's the beginning part that's truly the hardest because once you talk, you could really go on a roll. Like right now, it's not like I have a script telling me what to say. It's just, I know what to say based on what the conversation dictates. So having those first 10 words, having that one phrase or even a second phrase, if you want, that is going to be the building block that really helps you get going with your speech. Now, when it comes to the actual meat and bones of the presentation, how do we add some flavor to that? Because there is a lot that we could say on this. I mean, you don't want to just educate people. Like there has to be an entertainment value as well. And there's a lot that goes into it. So I'm wondering, how do we get the meat and bones right of a talk? 
So when you're thinking about your overall talk, you don't want to think about it as I, like, like you just said, you don't want to worry about so much of the, how do I entertain them? You want to make sure that there's enough meat in there to go, I'm going to give them something that they can walk away with and that they can actually feel like they did. Then you layer on the entertainment. Mm -hmm. So when you're getting into the meat and bones of the talk, you're thinking about the structure and the flow of the talk because most talks will start really high and uh, dip in the middle and then go back to high again and everyone falls asleep in the middle, which is not mm -hmm. where you wanna go. So if you can even outline, and I tend to tell people, put your big idea in the middle of a piece of paper and if you're just putting that big idea in the middle of the piece of paper, everything that goes around it has to go back to that big idea and you go back to the big idea over and over and over again so that everyone who's listening will walk away with the idea at the end of it. But they'll also walk away with the meat and bones, which is the, the outside of that paper you're going to list. Okay, how am I going to start? What am I going to give them first? Then what am I going to give them? Then what am I going to give them? And you go through those exercises and then you finish with, and how am I going to wrap it up and tie it all the way back into the beginning again, which goes back to the big idea. So if you have a map for what that looks like, let's say you get on stage and your slides are like toast, like it just doesn't work. Or you're getting up on stage and you forget your first 10 words and you're like, oh, what am I going to say? you have those points that you're gonna be talking about through that and you go back to your big idea. So even if your talk didn't go at all the way you wanted to, at the end of the day, you know that you gave the talk you wanted because the parts that you really wanted them to get out of it got through. And I really like how Melanie mentions that because people are there for the insights they get. So if you're there for a, you know, how to grow on social media type of a talk, you wanna leave that talk with social media strategies. But Melanie brings up the point where people fall asleep in the middle. And if they're not falling asleep, they're on their phone in the middle. And yeah. you got a beginning high, you got an end high, but that, there's that messy middle. So that's where you have the educational pieces as your focus, but you do have the entertainment snippets as a little bit mm -hmm. of a refinement for your talk. And one of the things I hear a lot in the public speaking space is that you have, let's say, a lot of different things you want to talk about. And do you go this deep on a lot of different topics? Or do you pick like a core two or three things to talk about and that's it? Like what's your approach to how many topics we pick and then going this deep on each one? Well, you want to think about the fact that your audience has a short attention span. So that's why a lot of people will hear the beginning and the end and they'll like dip in the middle or be on their phone the whole time, like you just said. So if you have one big idea and you've got a whole bunch of ways to give them that idea, maybe you've got a bunch of points or a bunch of takeaways or things that they can do with that big idea. If you take the big idea and focus solely on that, it'll clear out all the extra clutter and maybe you can put those into a different talk. Maybe it's a follow-up breakout session. But the keynote speech is typically the hardest because you can't dive super deep into anything. You have to give them the basics of something. You have to give them takeaways. You have to get them, keep them entertained and keep them going because you're not trying to go into workshop mode with them. And I see a lot of speakers do that. They're like, well, now let's workshop this and let's really get deeper in this one. And then they go off and everyone's just like, I think I missed something here. Hmm. Keeping it simple is the hardest speech to give. I mean, Woodrow Wilson says that. He's just like, if you want me to talk for an hour, I'll do it right now. But if you want me to talk for five minutes, it's going to take me two weeks. So it's thinking about how you can really simplify your message and be really clear about what the core message is. And then always keep going back to that. And you're just hitting that home again and again, because then 
you can break out into like a three hour workshop after that and give them the depth to it and ask them all the questions and make them really think and all that stuff. You don't want to do that when it comes to just your main speech. You want to really make sure that they get everything they need out of it. Yes, they're going to get takeaways. Yes, you're going to teach them stuff. But I, I often tell speakers, I want you to think of four things while you're giving your talk. I want you to inspire them. I want you to motivate them. I want you to engage them. And I want you to educate them. So if you can inspire, motivate, educate, and engage, then you have a really good talk. And this goes into, I like how you mentioned Woodrow Wilson, because the idea of like five minute talk, you got to prepare a while for that. That gets to the idea where every minute really counts in a presentation and people are still going to sit from start to end. And, you know, it's going to look good in the sizzle reel but you want to have the impact and that comes from taking that deeper dive. But there is this keep it simple element too, because as public speakers, as content creators, we're changing up all the time. And there are some stories that they may have happened a few years ago, but there are stories that are still good to this day. And even though a new story may be more like, fresh in the minds and you want to talk about that because it's something that just happened to you you do have to sometimes stick to those older stories i don't know if i feel like melanie you could attest to this but i've heard from people that they go to this famous speaker and they see this person speak and they see him twice and it's like the speech is the exact same thing even 30 years later i've heard from some people on the show they've been the attendee twice in those types of scenarios so how do we have that healthy mix of just preserving a good speech that is already like we're on the stage, we're rocking with it versus the occasional tweaks? Like, do you even suggest we make tweaks once we have a good speech? Well, once you have a really solid speech, that's when you can start making tweaks. And it's getting to the point that you have the like, okay, I know exactly what my structure is. And then you're sitting there thinking right before you go on stage, you're like, oh, like you just said, there's a great story that I can put in here. And only if you're super practiced and you really know what you're going to say, because if something did happen to you, which this has happened before to me, where I didn't have the beginning of my talk, mm. I had my entire talk ready. And then for some reason, I was just like, I just can't get that last little bit in place to like sync it up. And I had practiced the talk. I'd given the talk so many times and I had just that beginning part just never felt really right. And the night before I went on stage, I actually had food poisoning on a train from DC to New York. And it was the night before this huge talk to 500 women in tech that I was like, no pressure, cool, whatever. So I get on stage and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be myself. And this was where it goes back to. If you're not comfortable being authentic on stage, you're not going to want to tell an authentic story on stage. So you're not going to go deep and you're not going to connect with your audience as well. So thinking about, okay, well, I just tell people stuff. Like, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm not going to tell them about that because it's too personal. Like, I don't really mm -hmm. care. I'm like, I'm going to tell them what I had. So I, I practiced it that morning. I was like, okay, if I'm going to give this at five o'clock, I want to make sure that I know how I'm going to give it so I don't go off on a tangent and then turn it into this whole other thing. And then there's half my talk gone. I want to make sure that it's succinct and simple and really connects with my core message, which was you can choose between a beautiful life and a miserable one. And I basically just got on stage and started saying, last night I was on the train from DC to New York and I realized halfway through I had food poisoning. And I talked about how the taxi driver took me from a, a miserable state to a beautiful one in 10 minutes. And they were all with me. They were like groaning with me and like feeling it with me. And someone at the end said, I didn't realize you were in your talk until 15 minutes into your talk. 
She said, I just thought you were bantering with us before you got into your talk and then mm. realized later, you just sounded like you were having a conversation. And the problem is, is if someone else did the same thing, it would come came in, like, it would be inauthentic for them. It would be like, oh, she just was really authentic and then went into speaker mode and like, okay, I'm a speaker now and I have to give this talk, uh. where instead I was able to flow the talk into the story and make sure that it all fit together. So understanding like you can improvise, like it is okay to like move things and change things and add new stories, but you have to be ready for it. Your talk has to be ready for it and it has to really tie into who you are and what the talk is all about. And that's where you don't want to tell stories just for the sake of telling stories, because it's common public speaking knowledge that if you tell stories, you're going to get people engaged. Like there's this storytelling. People love good stories. But if you end the story, it's like, hmm, now where do I go? And you're kind of exuberating that vibe on stage. It's not going to be good for the rest mm -hmm. of your talk. Now, Melanie, you mentioned something where, you know, some things can be too personal. There's this argument that, you know, let's be vulnerable. Let's uh, take something really deep that happened to us and put it out there. But I feel like for some people, like, I feel like there people get vulnerable and victimhood. Like there's a little <laughs> yeah. bit of blurry line. So how, and plus like, if you keep, telling the same story it's sort of like you're reliving it so mm -hmm. what's your advice for the line between victimhood and just being vulnerable and wondering what your thoughts are on that well Brene Brown is actually someone I quote on this often because I've had people get on my stage and start crying and I'm just like okay it's okay to do that on my stage but when you get out in the real world when people aren't so nice mm. anymore and you start crying they're going to feel pity for you which is not what you want. And one of the things Brene Brown said is, do not work out your therapy on stage. <laughs> Before you get on stage, you have to have already gone through all of the things you need to go through, whether it is actual therapy or your own personal journey, whatever that is, making sure that you can get on the stage fully ready for whatever shows up because you don't want to accidentally start crying and have your audience start feeling like, oh, that, that sucks that she started crying on stage, making sure that they're not going to feel pity for you. You want them to feel like they're with you on the journey, not feeling like, oh, that's terrible that that happened. And yes, you can always have like, I've had it before where I get tears in my eyes when I talk about one of the, the stories that I tell about a person that I knew who had something happen to them. And it just, I feel it, which is good, but also knowing how to handle that is another big part of it. Because there are some people who talk about vulnerability but they're really just like oh woe is me you should feel bad for me and like you know nobody understands me being able to be a confident speaker means to be able to get out there and share your vulnerability without it turning into uh it's all about me kind of situation and i really like this just practice it out because when you're just saying it without practice there is this pity factor because maybe it's the first time you're telling the story you're definitely a lot more emotional when you're first telling something you thought you'd never tell people but when you do get the practice in like one of the themes throughout this whole episode is really have the framework for your speech so if you're able to tie something really bad that happened to you to your talk to uh inspiration or motivation a way that empowers people, educates them. I mean, that's how you turn it into something that helps the attendees rather than a 
why am I listening to this? I mean, I feel bad for this person, but I mean, like, let's get in the speaker on the stage. Like, uh, people's attention spans are very short, but if you get them with a powerful story like that and you combine it with the rest of your talk, that's going to give you a serious edge in rocking the stage. And I do want to go deeper into the framework. Like, yeah. How deep do you, is it like every like five minute by five minute or is it just a broad framework? Like what does a framework look like for someone who works with you? So I actually built a course called speak with confidence because I was using an exact framework for every single thing I'm doing. And the greatest part about this is it gives you a loose framework, but without giving you, like you just said, a five minute to five minute kind of thing. Cause no one way is the right way to write a talk. So I like having a structure and I, I love building workbooks and structure and how to do something and a map to give people to follow, but it also gives them a lot of wiggle room and how to play with it. So typically I have people actually write out, we start with stories. So like you said, stories are a big deal. The problem is, is most people tell stories that don't really mean anything or don't make sense or don't tie into anything. So I have them at the very beginning of this go into depth with where are your stories and what's the thread between all of them. So like something happened to you when you were a kid, your mom passed away, or you had a fight with a bully at school, or like you didn't get into the college you wanted to like, what are, what are the threads between all of your stories? So you kind of go back through old notebooks and maybe journals that you had or a blog that you had, or even school books that you would write in and like notes that you would make to yourself and get those all in one place. So you can start thinking, okay, how could I use these stories? Maybe client testimonials or other stories. So after you're done with that, you're thinking about, okay, what's the thread in here? And then how does that tie in with the niche that I have? And how can I actually take that thread and start putting those real stories into who I am and what I want to teach people? Then you go into your own brand and start thinking about who am I personally? Like personally, who am I and how do I stand out? Like I'm a, I am an approachable badass is what I say. And I'm the chief storyteller at my company, but I used to be the chief inspiration officer because I was not as fully in my brand as I am now. So it was like an iteration. Like you keep, you keep doing this. It's like a process you keep working on. And then we get into the dish method, which is data, impact, story, and human. We think about how do you put your data in there? How do you make sure your facts and figures are in there? Then how are your stories flowing with the impact you want to make and the humans you're talking to? Because every audience isn't the same. So making sure that you can kind of move those things around, depending on I'm speaking to all women, I'm speaking to a mixed audience, I'm speaking to all CEOs or all tech people. Like you can move those around based on the stories. And then by then you're like, okay, now I have to have a structure for this thing. So I've got all the information and it's a big, huge, wide load. And then you're like, how do I get this into a talk? And that's when you start pulling all the other stuff out and you start saying, okay, I think these stories could go in that talk. That's not the talk I'm writing right now. So let's go to the big idea. And you start mapping around that big idea and start putting all the pieces in place. And those stories start getting put into those takeaways. And then the lists of takeaways start coming out. And then the homework that you can get people to do start coming out. And so it just starts like molding itself by the time it's all finished. And it becomes a very structured but also unstructured talk mm. that gives you the framework to then create the slides and create your next steps and the interaction with the audience and that you know, engagement that you're doing and all the entertainment that goes with that. So you don't even know where your jokes are going to go until you know exactly what your storyline is going to be. So that's a whole bunch of that, but like, <laughs> it's hard to explain the whole framework unless you're like, let's walk through the workbook. <laughs> 
I mean, if you have the, I mean, I feel like Melanie did a great job. I mean, describing the action steps and activities in a workbook, it's certainly not easy to do. I feel like Melanie did give us a really great perspective and it is just some initial work you have to do. I mean, even if you just commit a day to it, you come out as a much better speaker, you know what you're going to talk about and this stuff matters. Like Mm -hmm. the people who I've seen some people speak twice, you know, that they did some type of framework for the talk because the stories are the same. You get people to engage from start to finish. You've got those ways to get the attendees to participate rather than just uh, sit there. Uh, But being able to plan out a talk like that, the way Melanie described, that's how you get the higher speaker fees. That's Mm -hmm. how you get into more events. So it's certainly a lot of work, but the professional speakers, they are doing this type of work to accelerate their speaking brands. And Melanie, I know you help people who do want to rock the stage. So with that in mind, where do we go to find your work and journey and reach out to you as well? Well, we actually are launching our new website in June, and I'm I'm not sure exactly when this is going to air, but June 9th is when we're launching our website, and we're going to be launching a 90-day challenge for Speak With Confidence for 97 bucks. And typically, this is a $1,000 online course, and you can get it for 97 bucks, and we're doing a 90-day challenge where we walk with you through it. So instead of like typical online courses where you sign up and you're like, oh, hopefully I'll find time to do this thing. We actually, for 90 days, and it's a six-week course that we stretched out over 90 days so we could actually take the time to dig in with you and do calls every other week. And we're going to have a summit in the middle of it. And it starts July 7th, and we're going to be launching it twice a year. So January and July is when we're going to be launching it each year. So you can hang out with us on the 90-day challenge. We will have that challenge in the show notes for everybody who is interested. Melanie, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you.